summer 2019, uh, Graham Cook, I don't know if many of you heard of Graham Cook, the prophet teacher, an amazing guy from Manchester, was speaking at an event at European Leaders Advance. Um, and Pete Carter said that Graham Cook gave a crafted prophetic word. And a crafted prophetic word is really where a person interacts with God through asking questions of God, like, God, what do you want to speak about at this conference? God, what do you want to emphasize at this conference? And it's an interaction with God, a talking to God, and the person writes down what they hear in the interaction as they talk to God. And interestingly, a lot of the Old Testament prophets did this. Jeremiah had a scribe. Jeremiah would encounter God and speak, and the guy would write it down. The often prophetic words were fashioned in interaction, in privacy with God, and and, uh, that's what Graham Cook does. And there's something powerful about what happens in the interaction with God in a private place. We love the spontaneous, but actually the things that are crafted in private and thought about are really powerful too. And so Graham Cook began a conversation with God, a conversation where he asked questions, God, what's on your heart for the conference? What do you want to bring to the people at this conference? And so I then spoke to Pete Carter in, I think, in September, and Pete said that Graham Cook's prophetic word was the standout moment of the conference. It was the highlight of the conference. A week later, I got an email with a transcript with it written out, And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Really respect Pete. He says it's the standout moment. He said it really spoke to what we are doing as a group of churches working and walking together. Got the transcript. And you know those moments where you read a prophetic word and it jumps out and arrests you? In in quite a startling sense, really. Because I've been in meetings where you get called out by a prophet for a prophetic word and you receive it in the moment but this was something I'm receiving on on a piece of paper that happened a few months before and I wasn't even there and I'm feeling Holy Spirit you're really gripping me you're really speaking to me this is really uh, uh, touching me deeply and uh, I began to interact with God myself because I'd learned from Graham Cook about asking God questions and writing down the response. So I said to God, is it legitimate to grab hold of this like I had, like we had been called out in a meeting? Can we grab hold of this word? Because you're gripping me with it. And there was a real sense of permission from God. And I want to talk about this prophetic word and I want to talk about our response to it and the things that we can do in response to it. Just to give an overview... There's nothing fundamentally, radically new in this prophetic word. There's not a sudden revelation of, you've been building it this way, now build it this way. There's not a sense of brand new emphasis. Rather, it's six pages of beautiful, wonderful confirmation that what you've been doing is on the heart of God. That's good news. It's good news that we're on track and that what we've been doing and building and emphasizing and underlining for the last nine years is on the heart of God. And this prophetic word 
draws that all together. It draws together nine years of thinking about the presence of God, of thinking about identity in Christ and our new man identity, of believing that intimacy and identity lead to impact, of believing in the whole thing of honouring one another and the functionality of the body working together in its various parts. All these thoughts and strands and ideas got drawn together in a six-page prophetic word. That's why my heart leapt. Wow, God, we've been talking about this. We've been praying into this. We've been teaching into this. We've been emphasising this. Everything we've been doing for the last nine years is written down in this document. And now you're saying in this place, this is my heartbeat for this family of churches and what we're doing together. It was like suddenly, you know, when people are building a big building, they have a blueprint and then they build it to the blueprint. So all those buildings in Woolwich right now, there's a blueprint. Someone, an architect, has designed something and everything's being designed according to the blueprint. And there's been a sense for us that we didn't have a blueprint. We were kind of taking a step at a time and asking Holy Spirit, what do we do here? What do we emphasise here? How do we build here? And we were learning and growing and developing But this prophetic word suddenly goes, boom, here's a blueprint. Here's all those things that you've been stepping into, learning, experimenting with, thinking about. Here it all is as a map, as a blueprint, as a way to get there. That's why it gripped me. I thought, wow, here's the next five to 15 years worth of work. It's great to have clarity. Because just on our own personal journey, Rochelle and I have been on a journey of, of wanting to partner with Holy Spirit since we got married. Been learning and walking and experimenting. Sometimes at the early days, we were learning and experimenting, thinking presence meant just the gifts of the Spirit. That's just presence, when the gifts are present. So we put on meetings just to ignite the gifts. And then we learn and grew. No, presence is the presence of a person. It's not just when the gifts come. And we experimented with a meeting called Throne of Grace, where we were trying to learn how to engage with the gifts. We got gripped by prophetic books like Surprised by the Voice of God that we read in the 90s. And uh, we're learning, actually, people, ordinary people could hear the voice of God. And then in 2007, we got gripped by a prophetic word from Julian Adams where he arrested us with the reality that signs and wonders and miracles are possible in the local church. And then we went on a journey for 12 years now of wanting to press into the the, the miraculous. But it was like there were all these things all over and we were having a strand here that the kingdom going for healing and over here going for presence and over here looking at honour and over here looking at equality. And all these things, we were like holding strands and then suddenly someone says, all those strands, all those plates as it were that you've been spinning are all summarised here. So that's exciting. It's exciting not that God has come with a prophetic word and saying... Dig up it all. (laughs) But rather saying, actually, you're on track. 
You're a prophetic people. You've been hearing my voice. And it's like us in our little corner, doing our little thing. These strands, these strands. Suddenly your eyes get woken up and you're part of God's heart intention for the whole of Europe and for the nations of the world. And so this prophetic word came as like a blueprint. This is how I want you to build. This is what I want you to emphasise. This is a map to get you to where I'm taking you as a community. Here's clarity. Here's focus. Here's definition. Here's the race I've called you to run that I'm putting into technicolour if you were ever in any doubt that you were running the right race. And that's what the prophetic does. It comes as a comfort. It comes as an exhortation. It comes as something that builds us up. It comes as something that lifts up our head. It comes as something that reminds us that we're part of something bigger than we realise, bigger than ourselves, that we're caught up in the huge plan of God in the earth. And that's exciting. And so I said to God, I felt like when I read Graham Cook's prophecy that he called us out personally. And I said to God, what if we gave you with urgency or gave you everything that you ask for in it? What if we embrace this word as a map, as a blueprint, as your design? And Father said immediately, he said, this is very important to me. It really captures what I want. He says, Graham and I spent a long time forming it. (laughs) It's very dear to me. So I'd be really pleased if you really valued it. We had a lovely time of interaction and conversation. So God is saying in this prophetic word that he's got an intention for Europe. That he's got a big plan for the continent of Europe. That God is saying that he wants in every city of Europe, and we can know that he's the Lord of the whole earth as well as the nations. So, with Kathmandu, we're believing for this, for Nepal. This is bigger than Europe. The word specifically, specifically talks about Europe. But we could believe for what God is saying is I want every city, I want every town, I want every village. I want every region of Europe, I want stand-out communities, stand-out apostolic communities, communities that in their region, in their location, have answers and wisdom and strategy for the problems, for the difficulties and for the chaos that the world has. We know that's us. He said to us, Five years ago, if you want SC18, you can have it. We know, he said to us, I want you to be a community of remarkable presence and remarkable testimony. We know, he said to us, in prophetic words of seven, eight years ago, I'm calling you to have outflow, to be carriers of the presence. And so now God is saying, yeah, all that is right. I want to do this over the whole of Europe in every region, in every city, in every village, in every area. And I'm calling you to be part of it. The thing that most gripped me about it, and why we're talking about it, and why we're going to work on it, 
is the urgency in the prophetic word. So we've been working nine years. On, there's nothing in this that's brand new. But I think it comes with a Holy Spirit urgency because God is saying, this is what I want. This is what I want to have built. And I'm not going to... You're not going to be a standout community unless you build it this way. It comes with a clarity, a focus, a definition. It can be no other way. And we'll hear that when we're going to, on Thursday night as part of the Supernatural School, we're going to invite you, that we're going to come together and we're going to listen to the tone of the prophetic word. Because the tone of the prophetic word is kind and honest and gentle and real. God's not a sledgehammer kind of God, a punishing, condemning kind of God, but he is God. And he does get to say, it's my way or no way. It comes with a clarity. And it'll be great for us to come together, hear it together, and as a community discover as we hear it and read it what are the key phrases what are the things that stand out what is it that God is saying do now what is it that he's saying do next in a response to that word because the New Testament letters were written to the saints the letters in the Bible were not written to the leadership team they were written to the body for the body to, to look at and for the body to respond and weigh, as it were, together. Although the letters were not prophetic, they were, they were scripture. And we'll come to look at the difference between a prophetic word and scripture in a minute. But it captures what God wants. There's a sense of urgency about it. There's a sense of there's no time to waste It's a rallying call. It's a wake-up call. There's no time to waste. That God is saying, I'm rolling up my sleeves to do something in Europe. I'm rolling up my sleeves to get busy. And this is a time, the prophetic word goes on to say, is a time of acceleration. God is saying, what took years can take months. What took months can take days. And what took days can take a matter of hours. That he's pouring out an acceleration into his body because he's rolling up his sleeves. I've got something I want to get done in Europe. I want my kingdom to come and invade and bring solutions where there's hopelessness and chaos. And so God, in this word, says with real loving honest clarity there are things I require of you there are things that have to change there are things that have to be absolutely shattered obliterated repented of and our mind changed in response to it that's how we respond to the prophetic so it's nothing new but there's a sense of 
urgency, acceleration and seriousness. I, I like it. I like clarity. I like it when God says, this is what I want and this is how I want it and I'm going to do it by then. What do you want? I like that. I like it because it releases us from living with questions of irritation and frustration of it should be like this and why aren't more people coming to Jesus and why are we not seeing more of X and more of Y? It takes away all those questions and you just say, I'm going to build and do and think the way you say. And then he says, if you give me what I want, I'll pour in what you need. I like that. When he says, you know what, part of the reason it's not working the way you want it to work is you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. (laughs) It's good. It's good. I like his correction. He's kind. He's gentle. He's pretty direct. Very direct. And you never feel crushed. And you always come away from his correction with a deep sense of, I know what to do now. So how do we respond to the prophetic then? Got a Bible, you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.19. What I'm going to do is talk a little bit about how we respond to the prophetic. And then I want to give you some headlines that are in this prophetic word. 1 Thessalonians Some people might say, okay, we've got the Bible. Why do we need these moments of of prophetic words? I think we need it because prophetic words enable us to understand how to apply Scripture. They help us understand what Holy Spirit is emphasising right now that the prophetic comes in a sense as a teacher to us it comes as a one who says this is on the heart of God I'm underlining, I'm underscoring I'm telling you this is what's on my heart right now, I'm telling you this is what I'm focusing on particularly for the next 5 to 15 years it brings that clarity to us it highlights to us it teaches us It exhorts us, it encourages us, it comforts us. And so in 1 Corinthians 5, if we start at 16, rejoice always. I mean, there's enough here to get on with. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all situations or all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. It's interesting for God is God, God is the creator, God is sovereign. Can we block God? 
Can we block what God wants to do? Can you and I restrict or release what Holy Spirit wants to do here? And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 is saying, actually, you and I have the ability to either restrict Holy Spirit or to release Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. We can quench Holy Spirit by living a life of independence and not relying upon him for everything. That's a way we can quench him and restrict him. Another way we can quench and restrict Holy Spirit is by despising prophecy. So the prophetic comes as a teacher, as an emphasizer, as one who underlines the strategy of heaven for a specific moment in time, for specific locations. And the way we respond to the prophetic can restrict or release God in an environment to do what he has intended to do. So if we treat the prophetic with contempt, even if in our heart we say, you know what, I've been here before. I've been here before and I know I've been in meetings before where people have held up prophetic words and they've said things about them and we can quench Holy Spirit by being cynical about what God is saying right now. We can quench Holy Spirit by treating prophecy as worthless, as unimportant. Sometimes you can think, you know what, I've heard prophetic words before and I've heard people misuse prophetic words before. That's why some people stop wanting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not because they don't really believe that the Holy Spirit can give gifts. They've just been hurt by the misuse of the prophetic. You know, maybe we've experienced someone giving a prophecy and they manipulated us. Maybe someone gave a prophecy and it was more cheese than God. (laughs) Just wishful thinking rather than really what God was saying. And we can feel, oh, I've experienced this gift being misused. And Paul's response is very realistic. He says, yeah, absolutely, people can misuse this gift. Absolutely, people can speak more out of their own imagination than out of a revelation of God. Yeah, this gift can be misused. People can manipulate and control and dominate through spiritual gifts. He says, yeah, that's absolutely true. That's why you weigh everything. That's why you weigh everything. And what do you weigh everything against? Scripture. All scripture is God breathed. Yeah, useful for teaching, training, and correcting in righteousness. All scripture is God breathed through the inspiration of Holy Spirit, through people, through time. It's an incredible book. Amazing. Wisdom, revelation, grace. Just an incredible, inspired, supernatural, radical book that we can live our lives by. And so we hold on to the good by taking a word like this and saying, is it, when I hold scripture against it, 
Does it contradict scripture? Or when I hold it against it, against scripture, does it have parts of it that are just, yeah, this is really, this is God and this is backed up by scripture. And is this part just wishful thinking and man's em- emphasis and just imagination? And so Paul says, hold on to the good and let go of anything that does not stand up against the scrutiny of the word of God. Check everything. Test everything. So that on a personal level, you you receive a prophetic word from somebody, some of it's going to resonate, and you're going to go, yeah, I've got an inner, yeah, this is right. God said to me, this is a, it's a confirmative word. Most prophetic words are confirmative, actually, because most prophetic words confirm what you already probably know from your interaction with God, but you just need someone to give you the courage to say, yeah, well, I knew it, but I needed to hear it again, and I needed to hear it another way, and I needed to hear it from someone else so that I would believe you. It's confirmative. But you weigh it yourself, and you hold on to the good, and anything that's cheese and wishful thinking and it doesn't resonate... You might put it on the back burner and say, I'm going to ponder these things, like Mary did in the Bible. She pondered them, remembered them, thought about them. And so, we don't want to treat prophetic words as unimportant. We want to be careful how we listen. We want to say, yeah, I want to be realistic. Some people have abused this gift. We look at the track record of the person bringing it. We test everything and then we hold fast, firm and keep what is really, really good. We need to do that with our personal prophetic words. The things that God has said to us personally, corporately and as a family. And then keeping the good is a really, really active thing. So we're going to look at a couple of verses to show that Holding on to the good, once we've weighed it, is a really active thing. 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18. Timothy, a young pastor going through a lot of difficulty and challenges. And Paul said to him, 1 Timothy 1.18, I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. So the prophetic words that Timothy used are to be a sword in his hand, so that when anything opposed or was oppositional, or circumstances presented themselves as contrary, or anybody else tried to put him down, he could come back and say, no, God, this is what you said about me. And Paul is saying, you fight according to the prophetic words and the things that God has said about you. <laughs> you, you fight according to the promises, according to the, the, the definition and the identity that heaven gives you. You take the sword and you remind yourself and you pray it back to God, what God has said to you. 
And so it's not being preoccupied with it shouldn't be like this and it should be like that and I'm irritated by this problem and I'm irritated by that frustration. Paul is saying in these verses, you take the things that God has said, you bring them back to God and you say, this is who you say we are, this is what you're going to do and this is the way you want to do it. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with what you've promised. That's a way we hold on to the good. Another one is in... um, Um, 1 Timothy 4.14, where Paul says, don't neglect. Don't neglect. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So Paul is saying there was a moment where Timothy received prophetic words and those prophetic words became like a gift inside him. And he's saying, don't neglect the gift you've received through the prophetic word that God gave you. So as we look at a prophecy like this, we can say we're going to look at it in the light of scripture. We're going to hold on to the good. Anything we think is actually not not applicable or cheese, we won't hold on to that. But when we hold on to the good, it means we're now going to take it and fight with it and pray it back to God and declare it back to God and join into with God and how he, Jesus, is interceding for us right now. We're not going to neglect what he's given. And the last one is 2 Timothy 1.6. 2 Timothy 2 Timothy one. In verse 6, and Paul says, For this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. So we said earlier on that the gift of God was received in Timothy's life through the prophecies that were given to him, which told him who he is, what is to do, what is to build, and how is to do it, and how heaven sees him. He says, in one six, for this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In other words, God says, I'm giving you a prophetic word. It's a gift to you. It tells you who you are, what you're going to build and the influence that you're going to have in the earth. Now, listen, you need to do some things with that. You need to make sure you don't treat it with contempt, as worthless as unimportant. You need to make sure that you hold on to it very actively. Fight according to it. Fight according to it. Don't neglect it. Think about it and fan it into flame all the time so that you think and act and live and consider in line with what God has said. So when you receive a prophetic word, there's a prophetic moment, we do things like we think deeply about it. Think deeply about it. I don't think it necessarily means we think deeply about it in the same way of unpacking a verse that we go through word by word. And we, I think it means think deeply about the overall blueprint, think deeply about the plan, think deeply about the map, think deeply about where God has taken us, think deeply about it, consider it deeply, consider it deeply and take, 
what you can do is take every phrase and idea and, and find the scriptures and the, the words and the emphasis in the Bible and says, it says it here, God, that thing that Graham Cook emphasized here, I read it here in your word, I read it here in your scripture, I read that blueprint, that map, I can see it in the New Testament, I can see it in the life of Paul or Peter or the other writers, I can see it in this passage, I'm going to think deeply about it, I'm going to let it sink into the depths of my being, it means I'm going to adjust my life to it, everything that I am, I'm going to adjust to what you're saying. I'm going to apply it practically. I'm going to change my mind and my reasoning and my thinking in response to it. My future planning and strategy is going to be defined by it. I'm going to live in the light of where this is taking me. I'm going to think about myself and my influence in the earth and who I am and my dignity and calling in the light of what you're saying right now, God. I'm going to take it to heart I'm going to remind myself of what you've said. I'm going to remember who you say I am. I'm going to act. I'm going to think. I'm going to speak in line with the prophetic word. And then our whole life is, I'm no longer wondering about the, is the world getting darker? Is chaos getting more difficult? What are the statistics about church growth? Or people coming to Jesus? Those questions are no longer relevant. We're no longer running around trying to find a solution. If we do it this way and do it that way, we'll get more success. We've only got one focus. What did you say? How do you want to do it? Our answer is yes to you. And we're going to do it your way. The prophetic means we're not just having a go to see how things work out. We're not just having a go and we'll see what God does and maybe he'll turn up and maybe he won't turn up. Rather, the prophetic brings that inner conviction. God has spoken. We're a prophetic community led by the voice of God, word and spirit, Bible and spirit, prophecy and the word of God. And we're not just having a go. We've got a promise. We've got a guarantee. We know where it's going. This is going to change the way we speak and act and consider and pray. This is going to shape everything. An example would be, James O. Fraser went to China in the 1920s to share the gospel with the Lisu people in China. For the first 10 years, he saw one man come to Jesus and he didn't see anybody else. And he, this one man who came to Jesus went back to demon worship and he was deeply despondent and saddened and depressed and wrestled deeply with feelings and thoughts of suicide and felt that this is pointless. If you really called me, he actually left the mountain and went back to, to teaching. And there was a moment when God whispered to his heart, I'm going to give you hundreds of Lisu families. And nothing changed in the outward circumstances, but now he had a promise. Yeah. Now he had a word. Now it wasn't just one man up a mountain trying the best he could and seeing how things worked out. Now he had a guarantee. Now heaven had said, I'm giving you a portion. Now heaven had said, this is what I'm going to do. This is your inheritance. This is what I'm going to give you. Now he goes back and he's got a different mindset because he's got a promise. 
Because he's got a guarantee. He's got a word from God. God has said what he's going to do. And he goes back to sharing the gospel. He goes back to working. A few years later, he um, gets cerebral malaria and he's on his deathbed, dying, and he hears this. Hundreds of families of Lisu men and women are coming to Jesus. On his deathbed, he hears that the promise that God had promised him has been fulfilled. And he dies shortly afterwards. You see, there's a man who embarks on a journey to share the gospel because he's got a word from God. He's got a commission from God. Actually, he was a concert pianist and great engineer. But he had a word from God and he goes to China. And then in China, he meets nothing but hopelessness and barrenness and defeat. He needs another word. He needs to know that this isn't a waste of time. That God's doing something. That God's promising something. That's what the prophetic does. It comes as an encourager, a fortifier, and a promise. Hey, you're not just having a go. You're not just seeing how things work out. Here's a strategy for the next five to ten years for standout communities across Europe. And he says to us, hey, do you want to be a standout community here? A prophetic people have got a word from God. The prophetic comes in and says, yes, now you hear. That's what the prophetic does. It comes with that sense of how. Courage, confidence, certainty. What you are doing is by God's expressed invitation. That changes everything. That's what the prophetic does. Hey, you weren't presumptuous when you said, if you want to see 18, you can have it. No, that was my invitation. You weren't presumptuous when you believed for outstanding testimonies and presence. And God says, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how to do it. Do you want it with me? So to finish, I just want to read, just go through some headlines of what this is. The first thing is this, is that the father is excited about getting everything he wants in mainland Europe. The prophetic reminds us that Jesus paid a price for the nations of the earth, going to all the earth and make disciples of nations. That the father says, I want every corner of Europe. I want every problem, every difficulty in Europe. The kingdom, the rule of Jesus is coming to Europe. There's going to be kingdom wisdom, solutions to chaos. It reminds us, again, that there is nothing that the Father wouldn't give for Jesus. That the Father loves Jesus. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Why? For the nations of the whole earth. He wants it. It's an invitation to recognise because we're in Christ. By virtue of being in Christ, there's nothing he wouldn't give us. So we can join in and say, 
I want the nations of Europe too. I want the nations of the earth too. We as a community can say, give us villages and towns and cities in Nepal. It brings us into Christ-centred prayer of, instead of begging, it's joining with the intention and heart of God. The prophetic word reminds us that it's through the church that God creates a visual aid of what the kingdom and fullness looks like. It's through the bride, it's through the body, it's through the church. The church of Jesus Christ is plan A for reaching the nations of the earth. We are that visual aid to show off the majesty, the fullness of the kingdom life. God says to leaders, he says, give me back my people. Disciple, equip, release people. Raise up people to inherit. Raise up people to take territory. Raise up people to be who I called them to be. That's why we're obliterating hierarchical, dominating government. That's why we're going to look in November. We're already planning on doing this. On looking at the whole issue of equality and how men and women are called to work together and breaking glass ceilings above men and glass ceilings above women so that the body can be a visual aid in the earth that says to the earth, this is the fullness of the kingdom. This is what abundant life looks like in the kingdom. The prophetic word reminds us again that the true sign of heaven on earth is the presence of God with people. It's the presence of God, the presence of Holy Spirit to be prized above everything else. It's Holy Spirit who makes everything possible, so there's nothing that's impossible. The prophetic word comes, I think, powerfully into having a mindset of habitation and not visitation. And God says, I don't want to, I can't be poured out in the way I need to be into a community that is still preoccupied and obsessed with the idea that every now and then I visit and disappear. I could only do this through a body and individual men and women who believe I'm in them all the time. And you say, I'm not going to pour it out in any other wineskin. If we have a mindset of he only visits sometimes on a Sunday in a certain moment or when I'm in a certain meeting and then he disappears, we won't get this. So we have to change our mind and our thinking and our preoccupation. God does not appear and then disappear. He's with us all the time. And God is saying, I want to obliterate and drive away any mindset of visitation over the fact that I'm always with you. I'm your permanent address and you get to abide in my love. He wants to break off us this learned helplessness and passivity of we can't really do it because we're too small, too weak. And he wants to break that off. He's saying, I can't, I won't come in this way to a community that is just sin conscious. In other words, I want to come to a community that's new man conscious. Sometimes the greatest goal of the church is to get through a week and just not sin. He's saying, I can't, I can't build standout communities where the mindset is, I just can't fail this week. He's saying, Jesus died for that. In other words, he's saying, you've got to get Romans 6. 
The old is gone, the new has come. Galatians, you've got to get the old is dead and the new is alive. He's saying it's time to fully convert to the radical lifestyle of new creation reality. Father is saying, I'm going to be taking things away from you that are killing you and making you feel less. This prophetic word comes and reminds us, I'm taking back my stuff. Jesus is saying, I died for your sin. I paid the price for it. I paid for that anger, that helplessness, that frustration, that poverty thinking, that victim mindset. They're mine and you can't have them any longer. So he's saying, I want to come and make a standout community to a people who are preoccupied and obsessed with the reality. I'm a new man in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. He's saying, I want the mind of Christ to govern all your ways so that we step into a new way of seeing, thinking and action so that as a people we have upgraded responses regardless of circumstances. And God is saying, I'm going to speed things up. But I won't bring quickening where there's legalism, control and a visitation, old man mindset. So that has to go. But can you see that it's nothing new? But it comes with a sense of urgency and importance. And it comes with a sense of this is what you want, Father. So we have to learn and walk and adjust And only think of ourselves the way you think about it. And then he says at the end, it's a huge undertaking. Oh yeah, it's it's really big and it's not big for me. Therefore, not for you. You'll discover that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a whole new way of doing ministry and walking with Jesus that's available in this.